Good morning. Good morning, City of Hope. As always, it is a pleasure and an honor to to open God's Word and share with you a word from the Lord this morning. For those who may not be familiar with my voice, my name is Temi, and I had the privilege of being a member at City of Hope for five years and a pastoral intern for four of those years. I was delighted when Pastor Wood reached out to me a few days ago and asked if I would be willing to fill the virtual pulpit because I enjoy being with you all. Now, this is different, but I will get to see your faces later, later during the Sunday school hour. Why don't we go to the Lord in prayer as we open up his word? Thank you, Lord, for your continuous provision and allowing us to gather in our homes virtually, separately, and still be able to hear from you and still be able to open up your truth and see and hear what you have to say. We pray for our time this morning. Pray that your glory will be on display. I will pray that your power would be at work. And that I will speak clearly your truth. Pray you would open up our hearts to, to hear your truth as well. Thank you for your kindness. And it's in your name. We pray. Amen. This morning, I want to talk to us about the paradox of weakness. The paradox of weakness. For some of us, that may be a word we try our very best to avoid. For men in particular, it is the one word you will hate to be associated with. From a young age, boys are told to be strong and be a man. Even the Bible says it multiple times. For men to be strong and act like men. In fact, men indeed need to be strong. We need to be strong for our country. The man who show weakness will be the loser of the war. We must be able to defend the liberty of our nation. We must be strong for our family, our wives, our children, our relatives. They need us to protect them. We must be strong for our communities. Our communities, with the absence of strong men, particularly fathers, is a community that is rife with various dysfunctions. Whether it be the prevalence of drugs, violence, sexual abuse, the list goes on. So there is indeed a, a need for men to be strong. And it's not only men, but other identity groups, like black women, Christian wives, and so on, all have 
their unique expectations to consistently display a measure of strength. To put it plainly, we don't like the presence of weakness. However, being strong does not mean the absence of weakness. This morning, we will briefly look at the Apostle Paul and see what he has to say about weakness. If you have your Bible with you, open to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 through verse 10. We will read the first 10 verses, but our focus will be on verse 9 and verse 10. Here's the words of the Apostle. I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was cut up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool. For I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ then, for his glory then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. There are three main points, or three points rather, that I want to share from these two verses, verse 9 and verse 10 and they are one the grace in our weak in our weakness the gratitude for our weakness and the glory in our weakness the grace in our weakness the gratitude for our weakness and the glory in our weakness these are all paradoxical statements, 
Because on the surface, they seem absurd. But in the kingdom of God, they couldn't be closer to the truth. On the surface, they seem incompatible. But in the economy of God, they couldn't be any more compatible. In the first eight verses, Paul has spilled a considerable amount of ink in this letter to defend his ministry. Beginning in chapter 10, he wants the church to be aware of his accomplishment as an apostle. He makes mention of his sufferings, his selflessness, and here in chapter 12, it makes known his grandiose vision. This vision we see in the first eight verses of, of chapter 12 was so magnificent that as Paul tells it, it does so in the third person. Now, this vision was so remarkable that God had to keep Paul humble. In verse 9 of chapter 12, in the first half of verse 9, we see the grace in our weakness. In response to this thorn in the flesh of Paul, in response to this messenger of Satan sent to harass him, sent to make life a little tough for him, God said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. Paul wanted this thorn removed. He wanted this weakness expunged. He wanted to be weakness free. He, he wanted a weakness free Christian life. The occurrence of this vision was most likely very early after his conversion. And so, he pleaded with God for this to be removed. But God had a response that Paul was probably not prepared for. Uh, what benefit is that response from God in the removing of this nagging part of Paul's life? The idea of, of weakness is that Something is out of place. It is that life isn't functioning the way we desire it to. There is a sense of shame that is present. But what God has to say in the hard moment, in the hard moment of Paul's life, is that my grace is enough. What is grace? It is God's, God bestowing His blessings without charge. It is God coming to our rescue without any cost to us. What did that mean to Paul? And what does it mean for us? You see, brothers and sisters, there is, God, there is what God is saying to Paul and to us. It is when you recognize that you don't have it all together, that my power can be evident. It is when you recognize your imperfection that my ability is on full display. 
After all, God's power is God's ability. It is God showing what he is able to do. It is in our weakness. It is in our in our inabilities. It is in our inadequacies that we are reminded that we have what we have and we are who we are not because of our perfection but because of God's power. It is by God's grace that we are who we are and we have what we have. Paul's thorn was meant to remind him of that. No matter how many visions he had and how, many, uh, and how much is accomplished, he is still a man in need of God's grace. We need not be ashamed of our weaknesses or inabilities or inadequacies or dysfunctions, but to see them as a reminder of our finitude and our need. Paul's thorn wouldn't stop God from being kind to him. Paul's thorn wouldn't stop God from blessing him. Paul's thorn wouldn't stop God from having mercy on him. Paul's thorn wouldn't stop God from shining his face bright upon him. Paul's thorn wouldn't stop God from being present in his life. Your weakness. Your inabilities wouldn't stop God from being gracious to you. Wouldn't stop God from shining his face, his face bright upon you. Wouldn't stop God from having mercy upon you. Wouldn't stop God from meeting your provisions and your needs. God's grace in Paul's moment of weakness will remind him that his ultimate satisfaction is found in Christ and not his own perfection. So as you think of your own weaknesses, your own inadequacies, your own inabilities, remember that God's grace is ever present and that is enough even if your circumstance does not change. God is still with you. God still loves you. God still cares for you and desires and does not desire rather to let you go. God is still your defender. God is still your redeemer. There is grace in our weakness. God's grace. Not only is there grace in our weakness, but we ought to be grateful for our weakness. Paul ends verse 9 by saying, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness, in order that the power of Christ may rest upon me. As I, or as I like to, uh, to translate it, I will boast with pleasure in my weakness. Paul perhaps could not have imagined such a response from God.
But when he came, he had an interesting response of his own. Rather than complain or feel a sense of shame, Paul would rather boast of his weakness. He wouldn't merely boast, but he would boast all the more gladly. He would boast with pleasure. Such a response denotes an attitude of gratitude. Because in it, there is a recognition that the presence of weakness equals the resting or the dwelling of the power of Christ. What if instead of being ashamed of being weak, we are grateful for being weak? Not because we want to be, but because it means that the power of Christ is dwelling within us. The power of Christ is at work in us. Uh, it means that God is able to do His thing in our life. We shouldn't fight against our weaknesses as though their absence means we are more deserving of the gift of life. But instead, we should be thankful for them. Because then, because then we are able to treasure the work of Christ in us. It is an open invitation for God to show off and do His thing. Brothers and sisters, uh, the person who has no weakness is devoid of the power of God. God has nothing to contribute to the life of the person who has it all together and is strong in all possible ways. So, will you today start to look at your weaknesses and your inabilities and your inadequacies differently. Don't beat yourself up for their existence. Don't cover yourself in shame. Don't be mad at God. Instead, be grateful. Gratitude doesn't mean the absence of the desire to see your situation improve, but it means that the circumstance wouldn't be a source of self-disparagement and anger at God. When others look down on you because of your inabilities and weakness, you can look up at God knowing He's at work in you. Not only is there grace for our weaknesses, and we should be grateful for our weaknesses, but there is glory in our weakness. Paul wrote in Verse 10, saying, Therefore, for the sake of Christ, then, I am content in weakness, in insults, in distress, in persecutions, and in difficulties. For when I am strong, then, when I am weak, then, I am strong. There is glory in the dysfunctions of our lives. But it is not our glory, but the glory of God. It is on His behalf, it is for His, for the glory of His name, that we take delight 
in our weakness. This is because in spite of such weaknesses, God is able to do his work in us. It is then clear to us and to others that it is not our perfection, but God's grace. When we are not well, when our body isn't working like we want it to, when life is rough, when we can't seem to shake that sin that so easily entangles us, because of God's sufficient grace, because of God's work and power, we know that God is being glorified. It is for His name's sake that we endure and take delight in our weakness. Our delight, our contentment isn't because we enjoy the present state, but because we know that God is being glorified. Paul isn't content with only his weakness, but he extends it further into other areas of his life. Whether it be insults, distress, persecutions, difficulties, Paul will be delighted. That reminds me of Peter in the upper room during the Last Supper. When Christ was washing the feet of the disciples, he told Christ, you can't wash my feet. And Christ said to him, if I don't wash your feet, Peter, you have no part in me. Then Peter responds with, well then, don't just, don't just wash my feet, but give me a bath. I'll wash my entire body. Paul says his mouth, if my weakness is an indication that God is at work in me, then I don't want to be content with only my weakness, but with all other dysfunctions in my life because I want nothing more than God to be at work within me. Our imperfections give God all the glory. When we are weak, we are indeed strong because the strength of the Lord is ours. He carries us when we can't carry ourselves. So brothers and sisters, we are not a sum of our failures. We are not a sum of our weaknesses. We are not a sum of our inabilities, of our inadequacies. We are not a sum of our dysfunctions. We need not despise them. Our desire to be strong isn't compromised by them. But we ought to see them as a signpost of God's work in our lives. As a reminder, as, as a reminder of our need of a greater one. Of our need for a savior. There is indeed a paradox in our weakness. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that our weakness isn't something to be ashamed about, but rather an opportunity to see clearly your work in our life. Help us to see that your grace is enough when we are weak. Help us to see that it's okay for us to be grateful 
of our weakness. And help us to know that in our weakness, you are getting the glory. You are being honored. Your name is being glorified. Strengthen us when we are weak. Carry us when we can't carry ourselves. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.